Hello and welcome back to Talk Richmond. In this week's episode, I'm joined by Matt Allchurch, Lifeboat Operations Manager at the Royal National Lifeboat Institution, Teddington Lifeboat Station. We'll say RNLI for short from now on, I think. And I'm going to be asking Matt all about Teddington Lifeboat Station, how the station operates, what its responsibilities are. And I've got to ask him about the famous minky whale rescue. So without further ado, Matt, a very warm welcome to Talk Richmond. Thank you, Jim. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, to have the opportunity to talk about what we do in Teddington on the river. Yeah. Well, brilliant. Thank you. And could we start just by asking you to give us a sort of brief introduction to the RNLI itself for those who might not know much about what the charity does? So the RNLI is entirely funded by uh, voluntary contributions. Uh, It's a a huge charity. I I think it has around about 40,000 people working for it, most of whom are volunteers. And Teddington Lifeboat Station is is run entirely by volunteers. And, uh, yeah, we are tasked to save lives on the sea, which is a bit of an anomaly because we are located in Teddington on the Thames. You could argue that the part of the tidal Thames where our lifeboat station is is tidal and therefore it's part of the coast, but it certainly doesn't feel like the coast. Yeah. So we're we're tasked to um, look after the river between Richmond and Hampton Court and sometimes we'll go a little bit below Richmond and sometimes we'll go a little bit above Hampton Court. And we're here really to um, help people out who get into trouble on the river for one reason or another. I still find it amazing that it's entirely, you know, charitable because it's such an important part of our emergency response. And it's an amazing, it's sort of part of our fabric of our nation as an island nation, though, isn't it? Surrounded by sea, that we all hold the RNLI so dearly. And the amount of volunteer effort, you know, I have to say is just quite breathtaking. And we're all, of course, I'd like to say on behalf of all the listeners and the council, you know, we're very, very grateful for everyone so bravely and selflessly t- giving their time and effort and energy to to it. And it, you, you obviously touched on this. It's fascinating because it is uh, quite an unusual lifeboat station. It's one of, I believe, four, is that right, that cover the Thames? And, you know, pretty unique in that respect. What are the station's responsibilities? So, first and foremost, and most importantly, we are tasked to get to a casualty within 15 minutes. And in order to get hands on a casualty in that kind of timescale, and Hampton Court being our furthest distance on our patch, we we have to get through Teddington Lock. So you can imagine you need to move pretty quickly uh, and we all need to live, work or be playing within three minutes of the lifeboat station in order to be able to get to that person. So that's three minutes from pager going off, being at the station, another two or three minutes to launch the lifeboat. Uh, and that leaves us only with eight or nine minutes to get up to Hampton Court by river. So, you know, pretty impressive, really. Indeed. And just to, just to help us get it in our heads, I mean, I'm, I'm local to Teddington and I'm a Hampton Ward councillor, so I know it well, but the lifeboat station is very near Teddington Lock, isn't it? The lifeboat station is just opposite the wharf restaurant, uh-huh. if you know where that is. So the boats, and we have two D-class boats, which are the smallest lifeboat, um, but a very capable lifeboat, just over five metres in length, with 40 horsepower engines, 
uh, and capable of 25 knots, which is 30 miles an hour. Um, we're actually the only RNLI station with two D classes. Uh, we have two D classes because our biggest hazard really is tending to wear. You know, we could get someone caught on the top of the weir, above the weir, uh, and in that situation we would put one boat above and one boat below in case that person goes through the weir and we catch them below. So that, that's one of the big reasons. The other fantastic thing about that is we have a boat that can go down to Richmond while another boat goes up to Hampton Court if you've got a simultaneous shout, two different places. So this is, you know, and you've said that you need to be within three minutes of the station. How does the station operate in terms of crew? So we need around about 27 crew, uh, operational crew. We work on 999, so you have nine crew three, nine crew two who are more experienced and then nine helms and it's a nice way to remember it 999 because that's also the number you need to call to get hold of the coast guard to get us out to you quickly um, but yeah we need 27 crew at the moment we only have about 23 we're in the process of uh, recruiting new crew um, which has been quite difficult in covid but now we're coming out of that we're we're able to recruit and we've got six or seven new people that we've just engaged with and starting to train. Um, so we're, we're all volunteers, three minutes. I mean, I could be as an architect when I was operational. I'm not operational now, but when I was operational, I could be in a meeting around the table in my office where I'm sat at the moment with Barclay Homes or developers um, running a meeting and my pager goes and, and I've got to go and I've got to get to the station in, in three minutes. Um, from here I can get there in a minute and a half. So usually I was one of the first people to turn up. Um, and speed is of the essence. Absolutely. So, I mean, you've described, you know, having two boats around the lock in case someone's on top of the lock. Has that happened? And what what do lifeboats and crew get called out for on the Thames? For Teddington, it's mostly people. So most of our shouts are to people. And very often it's people in the water or people, you know, on bridges threatening to go in the water or that that type of thing. We rarely get called to boat boats in trouble because it's not really that kind of waterway. You're not that far from the bank. Um, but a, 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 an example of a shout that we went to a couple of years ago, we had um, a doctor, as it turns out, who'd been out canoeing. Um, in the winter, very strong streams, and I think he was fairly new to canoeing and had managed to capsize his canoe uh, up against the top of the weir. And the, because of the stream, the flow of the stream, the canoe was um, pinned against the weir. He was out of the boat, holding onto the boat, cold water, and uh, he said to us afterwards, and this is a situation where we had one boat below, one boat above, boat above managed to grab him in fairly quick order he said to us afterwards that he thinks he had just moments that he could hold on you know he was just losing his strength the cold saps your strength and uh, and, and and that coming from a doctor who knows you know about metabolism of the, the human body and um, he had hypothermia and was in hospital for quite some time uh, and Afterwards, when he'd recovered, he came to see us and to thank us for, for what we'd done. But, and, and you know, that's, that's the sort of situation where we help someone out with water sports. Um, 
they're at their all people get into trouble because they've been drinking or cold water shock which people don't fully understand um you know that you can get cold water shock um even in the summer um uh, and and that can significantly affect your ability to swim and we also have people who have you know vulnerable people who maybe want to self harm um who are on on a bridge it might be a cry for help it could be a mental health issue but you know they they're people who deserve you know to have that second chance and there are many times when we pull people from the river who who maybe were intent on not going on um but you know we've get we've given them a second chance so yeah it is mostly people and it has been an extremely busy year I and mean, we've had 65 or 70 shouts this year already gosh um so it's, it's it looks like it'll be our busiest year it must be quite extraordinary to be involved in those moments where you have a decisive role in in all those people's lives mm. very much so i mean i i myself have pulled people out of the water who who, who have said you know I, I don't want to go on <laughs> you know put me back mm. But you've then handed them to the ambulance and, and their family are there and their family are sort of, well, you know, thank you. And, um, and, and you know, it, it's, it's, it's very difficult, isn't it? But um, I think particularly in, in COVID in, that, in this last 18 months, it's, it's put a huge amount of pressure on people's mental health. And one of the places that they think they can resolve that is, is the river. Uh, and that's why I think we've been so busy in the last... Um, the last 18 months. So you've been busier than normal? Yes, yes. It's been, I mean, certainly the first six months of this year is our, our busiest patch. I mean, hugely, hugely busy. Are you able to sort of put a perspective, a, a figure or, or some sort of idea of how much busier you are? So the first sort of three or four months of this year, we were probably having twice as many shouts um, a week as we would normally have. You know, we might guess we might have been getting six or eight shouts a week for that period, um, where we would normally expect maybe two or three in the winter. Um, and now we're we're back over this summer period. We've been back to about two shouts a week, which is fairly normal. One of the things that we were all very aware of, um, the RNLI Teddington Lifeboat Station came to lots of people's attention and something that affected us all. I bet you weren't expecting to be called out to help rescue a minky whale. What was that like for those involved? It must have been a long and I imagine a very emotional day. I, I Yes, I think it was pretty mixed because it was initially quite fantastic to be able to see this, you know, beautiful creature swimming in our bit of the river, you know, quite surreal. Mm. And, and so that was you know, initially we were there to to observe and to keep an eye because cr- crowds were crowds were gathering to watch. Yeah, you know that well, the word had got out via the world's media. Mm. I mean, I was getting texts from America and New Zealand and uh, Canada asking me, "Am I involved?" But because it, it, it it had gone across the world and uh, people started turning up, so we were we were there really to make sure that people didn't get in trouble. Uh, uh, but as time went on, more and more people turned up, more and more cameras. Um, the bridge was absolutely mobbed. Um, 
and uh, you know we we were then in touch with the um, the marine uh, animal rescue people who ultimately came out and and we helped them, but it was certainly very stressful because we had I don't know fifteen hundred people watching us, plus you know Sky TV, BBC, Reuters, everyone, all of uh, all the newspapers were there, and our my crew were very um, aware that they were being watched and every movement was being watched. So uh, they had to... I think it was quite stressful in that respect. I mean, that that, that was just stressful. Um, and then, of course, extremely sad when the whale was euthanised. Mm. Uh, my crew were with the whale at the time and the uh, marine... Uh, rescue um, people had said, "Look, put your hands on the whale because it will like that kind of, it, it, you know, it, it will sense that and it, and it's calming for it." But it meant that they were right there in the end. Yeah. You know? And yeah. Um, um, the debrief was probably the most emotional one that I'd seen because all, nearly all the crew were involved. Maybe about eighteen people in shifts mm. over a twenty-four hour period, mm. and it was really. There was a lot of emotion in the room, and it, you know you might question that when we, you know, we deal with so many people. But it it, it was just the whole day. I think the length of the shout, the the observation from the world, um, and and then the loss of this beautiful creature. Mm. Um, yeah, and th- and then and then we were asked um, uh, once the well had been euthanized. It was. Um, it was then left, and it was on our uh, on the foreshore out here below below the bridge. And um, it's not really our job then to to, to move the whale, but mm. uh, but um, there wasn't anyone else that could do it. So we were asked if we would move the whale um, so that it could be um, taken for an autopsy at uh, London Zoo. And uh, amazingly, we managed to find a, a local scaffolder who was here at the cafe, and he said he would he would use his lorry to move the whale. So at two o'clock in the morning, the next day when the tide rose, we, we towed the whale and recovered it, and it was taken to the zoo for an autopsy. So terribly sad, and, you know... Um... It makes me want to ask, you know, how do you look after each other? How do you, how do you re- help each other sort of process and recover from these uh, difficult experiences? That's a very good question. I mean, we are, as a team at Teddington, we are very supportive of one another. We're, we're you know, there's, we're a very small team with thirty people. We. Um, we look out for each other. We look for changes in people's personalities, or people are struggling. We talk, you know. We talk. We follow up. We do all of that, uh, and we do that very well. I think um, e- even in COVID, um, we were able to at least call people regularly. Um, so we do that. We also uh, the RNLI offer um, counselling to crew, okay. um, so the crew will know there's a phone number that they can use um, should they need it. Um, we also have a chaplain, Reverend Joe, um, together with his colleague Chris, came and did led a um, 
a sort of a, a group chat. We, we sat in the hall, 30 of us, and um, he, he split us up into little groups to have a chat and then to share stories afterwards, and, it, and, it, and he sort of enabled the whole thing. And it's really quite cathartic, I think, to be able to, to talk about things like that, just in a really open way, and to have someone who's not... He's not with us and he's not doing shouts with us all the time, but he's there and he comes and um, helps. Well, we clearly all owe you a huge debt of gratitude and, you know, you're a bunch of absolute heroes. I just wanted to come back to the fact that, you know, for our listeners, I think we're aware water safety is a big thing for Richmond up on Thames. We've got, uh, um, I'm told, 21 miles of riverside and we straddle with the only London borough that has spans both banks of the river. I know you've touched on this already, but this is a good opportunity just to reiterate. What should listeners be aware of when it comes to staying safe around the River Thames? Well, I mean, the primary thing is 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 cold water shock. And I think what people don't perhaps realise is you can quite quickly get to a situation where you lose the ability to move your limbs and that's because the cold your body reacts to the cold by bringing the blood your blood into the core of the body so it takes effectively it takes the blood out of your limbs out of the muscles and the muscles need that blood to be able to operate Um, and so people even in the summer, and particularly early parts of the summer, before the water warms up. So it might be a hot day in April or May, and we had really warm weather this year in April. But actually the water's still very cold, and uh, you can get into trouble quite quickly. There's, um, the first part of cold water shock is when you first go in to the water, um, and uh, uh, you can... You, you, you can't really help but take in an involuntary breath. And if you do that when you're underwater, you immediately take in a two or three litres of water into your lungs and, and that's game over, effectively. And if, if that doesn't happen and the water's not cold enough or you, you've, you've managed to hold your breath or, or whatever, you've then got the situation where you're in cold water and... Um, you could then start to lose that ability to swim, and and we've had it um, in our in our borough where young you know good young swimmers have drowned trying to swim across the river. Uh, we and we've heard stories afterwards where they've swum across the river, they've got halfway back and they've gone under, uh, and uh, you know very often that's where you find them with the police divers later. Um, so it's not to be taken lightly. If you, if you are, I can understand why people want to go in the river. If they do want to go in the river, choose somewhere safe. And don't, don't swim across the river. Swim along close to the bank so that you can escape if you get into trouble or swim in shallow water or take a floating marker with you. you you'll see a lot of the open water swimmers have have floats with them and so if they get in trouble they can grab hold it's also is a is a great marker for other boats to be able to see that someone's swimming in the in the river it's good that people use the river but they need to use it safely and responsibly well said thank you that's very clear and we've got to take note of these things it's been fascinating to talk to you just lastly if there's an emergency if you see someone in the water someone needs to get hold of the RNLI what should they do? 
So if you see someone in the water, dial 999 and ask for the Coast Guard. Okay. Might be counterintuitive because you're not on the coast, but we have London Coast Guard. Thank you. Well, I've said it before, but thank you so much, Matt, for everything you've done. And thank you for taking the time to come and speak to us at Talk Richmond. Jim, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. It's, it's just nice to get the word out there, you know? Absolutely. It's amazing that some people still don't know that we exist, but we are here and we want to help. And we're pleased to do our bit in helping to spread that word. Um, as we've heard, the RNLI charity does incredible life-saving work across the country and in the River Thames, in the middle of our borough. I'm really proud to have one of their stations in our borough. I'm sure you are too. If you'd like to make a donation, you can go online to rnli.org forward slash donate and help the RNLI continue to help us. Huge thank you again to you, Matt, and to all your colleagues for everything you're doing. Really amazing. And for anyone who's been listening who's affected by any of the things that we've heard about, if you're feeling vulnerable, if you need help, you can always, of course, call the Samaritans or speak to your GP, to your doctor. There's lots of help available. Thank you again. Let's all stay safe. Let's enjoy the river, but respect it. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. Um, You know, make a splash. And subscribe. Thank you very much. I'm Jim Millard. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.